We are back for another edition of Talking Fußball Direct, the Bundesliga show, your source for all things German football. I'm your host, Matt Herman, and this week, just like the Bundesliga, after a truly wild ride on the season's final day. On the day after, we're all just living with the consequences of the actions we've taken over the past nine months. It's time to take stock, weigh the balances. With me for this uh, important exercise is, is amateur chartered accountant Terry DeFella. <laughs> did, did, I, did I read that correctly, T? Um, I don't know whether or not you've got uh, Chartered Accountant absolutely right. I'm not very good with numbers, it's got to be said, as my book Proofreader has reminded <laughs> me on a number of occasions. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, that was probably just a, just a typo in my script. I don't even, you know, a- amateur is probably, probably not a good thing uh, to be appended to <laughs> Chartered Accountant. I'm comfortable with amateur, um, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, uh, But yeah, no, I think I would probably go for a professional Chartered Accountant uh, every time. Nice. Okay, so you might be qualified, even if you're not, uh, you know, the biggest number guy, to measure Bundesliga clubs on the satisfaction scale, right? Yeah, you can do that. Oh, yeah, I get great satisfaction from issuing and considering satisfaction scores for football clubs. I find it most satisfying. (laughs) Well, then this is going to be a very satisfying episode. We will be right back with lots of satisfaction, a little bit of dissatisfaction, or maybe more than that, coming out of Match Day 34. But while I have you here, do take a moment to subscribe to the pod, of course. Leave us a five-star rating if you can. That's a big help to get the word out. Do consider becoming a supporter on Patreon. we got lots of timeless content over there about scandal, match day moments, plenty to dig through, with more to come as the active season winds down. Here comes part one of Talking Foosball. This is the part where we talk about the best of the match day just gone. This was match day 34, the concluding match day of the 21-22 season. Here's how it's going to go. We're going to look at uh, the results from the final day. We're going to think about their consequences through the satisfaction scale. So, you know, all the team seasons, we're going to measure them not just on their final table position, but on their perceived level of satisfaction. That's maybe the PLS scale. Hypothetically, you you might win the league and still just be, you know, kind of medium miserable with a, a string of your best players eager to leave, you know, hypothetically. Or you might go straight down and be like, yeah, I'm totally okay with that, hypothetically. Let's get on with it, man. Let's start with teams who are as I call them, very satisfied. I think we can probably put Bayern 04 Leverkusen pretty conclusively in that in that category. You know, they were the winners in match day 34's nearest thing to a top-of-the-table clash. They beat Freiburg 2-1. Freiburg were going into this match knowing that they needed desperately to win and get some help to get into the Champions League. But Leverkusen, they were already more or less sort of tuning up their Champions League engine for next season. They had third place locked down. Late winner from Ezequiel Palacios in this one. For me, yeah, Leverkusen. They're they're a club that aspires to be in the Champions League year in, year out. Uh, They accomplished it for next year. I think it's probably pretty hard for them to complain, especially uh, given some of their, their sort of injury woes over the course of the season. What do you reckon, Terry? Absolutely. I think they've had a cracking season. And I think that they have counter to the usual narrative 
of Bayer Leverkusen is that they've they've fulfilled their potential and abilities, I think, absolutely right. I think that they can be delighted to be the third best team in the Bundesliga and have played with great verve and vigour. I think it's been fantastic what's happened to Patrick Schick this season. I think that's an amazing story. So happy to see a guy who showed us what he could do in the Euros and then took that on kicked on into the club season and contributed to to I think what has been actually for Leverkusen a pretty uh, enjoyable season without a tremendous amount of you know melodrama and unpleasantness and so I think that they can be very pleased with their Champions League qualification in their third place spot. Yeah, hell yeah. I think that there was so much to build on for this team. I mean, you had Schick out for a good chunk. You had, uh, you know, Florian Wirtz out for a good chunk towards the end. You had, you know, some opportunities coming up for new-ish players as well as players taking that next step. As you mentioned, Schick went from being a sort of, you know, well-regarded Bundesliga striker to, you know, number two in the uh, Torjega Canona list with, with 24 goals on the season. I really feel like as long as they can keep this squad together, and I've heard very little to the effect that um, even their their biggest names like Schickenwirtz are going to be necessarily on anybody's shopping list in any serious way, you know, this is a team with a lot of promise. I'm pretty psyched about how they finish this season. Yeah, deeply troubling news about Wirtz's injury, of course, and wishing well and hoping that, you know, he gets back to his best. But if there is a silver lining to be taken from that strictly, you know, and this is a rather cold because, of course, it's deeply traumatic, incredibly painful. Uh, and obviously, also, you want to think the best for the guy's career. But, of course, it'll keep him at Leverkusen while he goes through his rehabilitation. And so that is quite good news for Leverkusen, albeit, again, you know, very much the silver lining. I think there's so much previous underachievement associated with Schick's career up to this point that I think that also they're in with a good shout of him staying there as well. I wonder how many clubs, you know, a 24-goal Bundesliga striker is going to go, technically speaking, for a large amount of money, well north of 50 million quid, I would suggest. But I don't know how many clubs would be willing to pay that kind of money. And so I wonder whether or not maybe another season at Leverkusen in the, and then, of course, in the Champions League, we'll see how far he gets there before that becomes an issue. So I think, yeah, I think it's looking good. And we know they can recruit Leverkusen. They've never had a problem recruiting. So could be an interesting summer and an exciting season ahead. They can be very satisfied with their season. Yeah, I think Patrick Schick is now... You know, given some of the things that we'll be talking about later in the podcast about um, high-profile strikers who may or may not be in the Bundesliga next season, he's one of those guys who has the potential to become one of the faces of the league globally. I mean, it, it hurts him a little bit that his international team is not going to be in the World Cup. That kind of lowers his potential commercially, lowers his sort of usefulness for the league as a marketing tool. But um, <laughs> I don't think Leverkusen is going to care particularly as long as he keeps banging in 24 goals a season. True, true. I think a little trickier. I'm on, kind of on the fence about Freiburg. I mean, you know, it feels harsh for me to look at Freiburg, to look at them finishing the season in sixth place in Europe and look at them as anything other than very satisfied with the season. But there was a little bit more maybe – in the tank in terms of what they could have achieved. I guess maybe the outcome of the big game in Berlin next weekend might might do something to tip the scales. 
Definitely. I mean, I think the disappointment of losing to Union last week and then, of course, losing as, uh, uh, to, to Leverkusen in the last minute here, that's taken a bit of the shine off their achievement, I think, as, as, as weird and strange as that sounds. I mean, they went into May thinking, here we go, lads, we could get into the Champions League. This is definitely on. And now they have not only not got to the Champions League, but they've actually found themselves bumped for that automatic uh, group stage space. They now have to go through a qualifier because they've been usurped, if I dare use that word, for Union Berlin. But all of this can change if the dfb Pokal result goes their way. And suddenly it will be, you know, well, it will be a classic season, the best season ever. If they lose that game, and they might then, you know, they could end up looking back in the season saying, objectively, this has been a brilliant season. Look at the table and look at all the great memories that we've had. Look at how far we got in the cup. Look at the fact we're playing in Europe. But actually, it could have been actually quite a lot more. And so, yeah, I'm kind of agreeing with you. It's, it's those two defeats at the end of the season, you know, may, may well just colour things slightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me see. Let me see some of these teams who have been put into contention. I mean, you know, as of next season, it looks like a lot of teams like uh, Dnipro from Ukraine, Ghent from Belgium, Feyenoord, you know, from the Eredivisie, heart of Midlothian teams that, that that are potentially you know qualifier type teams. Uh, none of those strike a a huge note of fear. But they could all certainly give Freiburg a game on the day. Yeah, maybe not Hearts. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be charitable. Apologies to any Scottish but, but, you know, Scotland showed us something, uh, at least through Rangers this season. Hey, there, indeed. I was about to say, of course, there is a Scottish team in the final. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, uh, and yes, yeah, so I'm being impish and English about it. So I hope you'll forgive me. But, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree on, obviously, you know, they're losing Schlotterbeck in the summer. That's already happened. And I think if they win the Cup and go straight into the Europa League groups, stage i think they got an excellent chance of you know keeping and perhaps you know developing maybe building on that squad if they've got some some signings up their sleeves or some players that they're ready to bring through but of course one of the reasons i think that why freiburg have has, has had have had such a good season is they didn't suffer any huge losses and in fact got some players back and they like for example they had schlitzrotter back back from union berlin who uh, has obviously made a great impact to the point where he's gone to Dortmund. So there is, there's, there's, there's that. But I'm really happy for Freiburg fans because, you know, they are a club, one of those clubs that does things the right way. And it's gratifying to see them doing well. Yep. You know, as we mentioned last week on the podcast, buying Matthias Ginter, even if he's on the back end of his career and, um, you know, maybe didn't turn out to have quite as much potential as some people saw in him once upon a time. <laughs> He's still an established German international who, you know, if you had asked Freiburg fans, do you want him to come back next season? They would have literally bit your hand off. So to, to, to get to Europe and to have him back, amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I quite forgot about that, actually, temporarily. I had quite forgot about that. That is a that is a more than solid signing and uh, and, and still at a, at a good age. It's arguably his best years ahead of him. So, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what they do in Europe. OK, the next two teams that I wanted to bring up in the very satisfied category played each other. I think it's pretty, pretty clear for me that they both belong there. That is Union. And Bochum. Union beat Bochum 3-2 on match day 34. But I really think both of these teams are 
feeling themselves right now. I mean, Onion getting that um, you know last day win to to, to guarantee themselves a uh, Europa League group stage place, fifth place uh, finish, and then both of them just because their sights were pretty much on beating the drop all season, and they did that. They accomplished that with remarkable ease. They did it in the kind of way that Union did their first year in the Asta Bundesliga. I guess maybe since since both these teams are going to be coming out of the weekend feeling real good, we should maybe look forward somewhat. Union Berlin, when you take a couple of steps back over the past, you know, I guess three seasons in the Bundesliga, it's hard to look past them as, you know, one of, if not the big story in terms of changes in this league. They were out of the league. They were, you know, a, a lower league side and had been for pretty much all of their existence post, uh, you know, the wall coming down. And now they're not only an established Erste Bundesliga side, but they're going into their second straight year in Europe. They make savvy moves on the transfer market. They have a coach who really fits their style. How much higher can they go? Do you think that they can actually, you know, put a dent in Europe next season? In Europe, most definitely, yeah. I mean, I think that we know that um, mid-table and even upper mid-table Bundesliga clubs can make an impact in the Europa League. So I would certainly say, and given that they don't have to go through the pre-qualifying or anything like that, they're going straight into the group stage, that uh, I would expect them to be fully prepared and engaged in in, in that league. Uh, and they had the benefit of playing in an 18 t domestic league as well. So, so they don't have the kind of fixture pressures that they would have in other leagues as well. It's not going to be an unwelcome distraction for them. So I see no reason why. The, the kind of players that they profile, like, you know, more, more experienced players, perhaps to a degree under the radar, they might find that slightly harder as their reputation grows and people think, all right, so you like him, do you? Oh, he must be better than perhaps we realise. We'll push, bump the price up a few million that way. So they'll, they'll have that to contend with. But, you know, they spend all day and all night thinking about these things. And so, you know, we can trust that they will work the transfer market. Big question marks about Taiwo Iwani. Will he still be a Union Berlin player next season? I wonder whether or not if they can if they can keep him, then they're still you know it all looks rosy. I think for Union Berlin, the playing two competitions, particularly in the Hinrunde, might be a hindrance, and so they might not necessarily uh, do quite as well next season. But you know, you beyond the top two of the Bundesliga, you just can't predict how teams are going to do, and it's dangerous to do so. But what you can say is that Union, you know, again, like Freiburg, a club that, that are running their football club properly and are yielding the rewards and the benefits from doing so. Yep, yep. I, I think it's, it's hard to have anything too negative to say about the work that they've done at, over the last few years. Um, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> hey, you know, I, I, I'm happy for them. That's no, very generous of you. At, at this very moment, yeah. I am. <laughs> Some other moments, it's, I feel differently. Uh, let's talk about Bochum just for a second anyway. You know, they finished 13th, which is no great shakes, but from where they were coming from, having been out of the league for, you know, a decade plus, super confident uh, return to the Bundesliga. And, and we mentioned just a moment ago that Union had sort of pulled that off at, at first try, having never been in the sort of, you know, top flight since the fall of the wall. Are Bochum a team that you think has the parts in place, the philosophy in place, the coach in place, maybe, and Thomas Reis, to sort of steal a page from the Union playbook and, and you know, hang around and actually aspire for a little bit more than, than 13th place finishes? 
I mean, yeah, they would certainly be aspiring to finish above 13 next season. Of course they would. But, uh, I mean, I would suggest probably that maybe, maybe because their players' budget may not be quite as high as it is at Unions now. But the principles, if the principles of recruitment are pretty much the same, look, don't necessarily look for the young prospects, look for established players who you think will be able to do a job here uh, and then come up with a system of play that they can respond to and work well in. Try and score goals. You know, and, you know, don't be frightened of playing in this league and you will get your reward unless you're hopelessly short, like some clubs have sadly been this season. And so, I mean, I think the thing to think about with Bochum is that you've got you've got two big clubs coming up from the two Bundesliga. And so, you know, you would instantly be thinking, well, which three clubs in the Bundesliga are worse than us this season? And so that's really what you've got to be looking at it with. And, right. and you would you would think that Werder and Schalke will not be going down next season. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it, I think it's very interesting that now that you mention it, the you know Spite Bundesliga games are concluded, and it's it's clear now that that you know Schalke, who we knew were going up last week, and and Verde, who we thought were probably going up, um, they're both definitely going up. Uh, Hamburg are in the uh, you know relegation playoff. We'll be talking about that a little bit later. It's an interesting point when you have teams like Fürth, like uh, Bielefeld, like Bochum, like Union. It is easy to sort of kid yourself and into you know, underestimating them. And, you know, those four teams that I mentioned have had extremely different fortunes despite operating on broadly similar financial footing to each other, at least in their initial seasons in the Bundesliga. You know, I think it's going to put a lot of pressure on some of the smaller teams in the league, some of the teams who have been hanging around. I mean, obviously, Augsburg comes to mind, Mites to a lesser degree, but certainly from stature come to mind, as well as, as the likes of Stuttgart and Hertha, who, um, you know, Stuttgart have beat the drop, Hertha may or may not beat the drop, but those two teams have had a lot of mismanagement. And, you know, can you count on Werder and Schalke coming into the league and, and messing it up worse than you? Uh, I, that's, that's a, that's a difficult proposition. Yeah, it certainly is. And probably uh, something to think about as the summer progresses and we see what kind of work that those two clubs do. But yeah, I mean, obviously I've got opinions about Augsburg and Stuttgart, but we'll come to those later. But yeah, it's going to be a very interesting relegation picture next season. Yeah, well, why don't we come to Stuttgart now? Cool. Because I think, I think actually the team that they beat on Saturday, which is SDFT Cologne, actually I think Cologne still belong in the very satisfied category just sort of taken in very broad terms, despite the fact that there were short stretches of the season where they might even have been having realistic Champions League hopes. I don't think that that was something that anybody more than the most delusional Cologne fans, which is only about you know, 200,000 people thought that they would, would get into the Champions League. You know, they stumbled at the final hurdle. They didn't get the win that they needed to get out of, you know, that sort of Europa Conference League qualifying spot or whatever. But I think they should still be totally over the moon with how the season went. I mean, we will talk about Stuttgart in a moment because that, that's an amazing story. But briefly, Cologne, do you, do, you, do you agree that they should be very satisfied? And is this going to be a one-off or is this maybe uh, they're building to something more in the coming years? 
Oh, blimey. The first question, the answer to the first question is very straightforward. Yeah, you've got to be happy with that. Seventh place after the last few seasons that Cologne have been through, where they have been not only poor, but really tough to watch. They are now, you know, decent and also a decent watch. And they've got something to show for the season. They've come out of the season with a genuine pucker achievement it's not a trophy but it is a qualification they get to play european football that is going to be fantastic they love playing in europe and their fans just love celebrating they just love good times in cologne they just do even if those good times are perhaps in relative terms you know not necessarily you know justifying the huge amount of celebration that goes on there but hey you know it's a tough world Enjoy the big moments. And first thing I've got to say about Cologne in the future, I suppose there's two people I'm looking at here. I'm looking at the goal scorer, Anthony Modest, and wondering how many more seasons he's got being as productive as that. I'm looking at the coach, Stefan Baumgart, and I'm asking myself, what he's done is he's whipped that team into shape. They were previously a rabble. He's now whipped them into shape. Stage The next stage is that he needs new players to come in to boost and improve the team. This is basic stuff. This is how it works. This is how professional football works. And the teams that do that usually will prosper. And the teams that don't, doesn't matter how good your coach is, they usually run out of, of steam and start to hurt backwards. And so those are the two things here. Is will Stefan Baumgart be given the support that he needs to bring forward? In many meaningful ways, I think that guy and Cologne are a great match. They've been the best match for years, those two. But it is now incumbent on the club to help him out in the summer, bring in a few more people, start thinking about long-term succession for Anthony Modest, and then why not? And enjoy a season in the Conference League. Yeah, uh, it seems uh, they're adding Linton Mina from uh, Hanover 96. That seems to be their first sort of um, free transfer of the summer. I, I suspect that there might be many more to come, perhaps even ones that they pay a transfer fee for uh, now that they're playing in Europe. All right, so let's push all that aside. Let's talk about Stuttgart. This, oh my God, what an unbelievably gutsy win after a really gutsy run over the last, you know, few weeks of this season. You want to say that they've had an up and down season, but really it's been more of a down and down season with really just a good run toward the end to sort of keep themselves in there. But this game, I mean, they dominated this game from start to finish. They were actually pretty unlucky to need an injury time winner, but to get it the way that they did with a, you know, a Wataru Endo header in traffic, basically setting this stadium on fire. I mean, this is literally the stuff of football fairy tales. It's 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 a cliche, but that stuff that you see on the players' faces, you saw Matarazzo and Mislintat <laughs> losing their minds. I mean, <laughs> you want to put them maybe in the satisfied, fairly satisfied, or, or maybe neither satisfied nor unsatisfied category, but let's be sober about this. Where should we actually put them? I mean, I think that they should be fairly unsatisfied with their season, unfortunately. I mean, Stuttgart are a big club. I appreciate that there's been some mismanagement there and that they are trying to repair that and that that is affecting their ambitions. I mean, maybe I'm being too old school about this. And of course, the points don't lie. The performances don't lie. You know, they are where they are. They deserve to be there. But I mean, I think that instinctively, I feel Stuttgart, the size of that club, you know, really ought to be, and, you know, 
shooting higher for that. They have got a small squad and they did have some some injuries. And I think that that, you know, has had a bearing on matters. And the final run of 10 games where they only lost two of those games, you know, has, has obviously rescued their season and gives them maybe some momentum to go into the next season. But I mean, really, although... They're one of those clubs where, you know, you get to the end of the season, you've avoided relegation and you celebrate like you won a trophy. But then pretty soon afterwards, you know, the reality then returns. You go, actually, lads, this has been a terrible season. Let's try not to do this again. And I mean, there's suggestions in the paper that Kaladzic might be leaving. And so, you know, they've got some work to do in the summer. But I reckon that with each year they survive in the Bundesliga, the you know they'll get stronger and stronger, and you know hopefully you know in a, in a few years from now we'll see them troubling the top top clubs at the or, or certainly the top six clubs and and, and see them back on right. I, my my sense is is that I think they've got good people running that club, but it takes time. Yeah, and it's it's interesting staying the course the way that they did. You know, holding on to Pellegrino Matarazzo, not going out and sort of buying all and sundry in the winter transfer window. It was a very close run thing, but it worked. And I feel like the experience of having gone through that together is going to be potentially very, very, you know, constructive for this group of players. I mean, as you said, uh, Sasha Kaladzic, he's probably too worthy uh, an asset for them to to turn down the likes of I've read you know West Ham I've read Bayern any of those clubs would have the resources to pay quite a lot of money for him and I suspect especially with the sort of self confidence on the transfer market that you know if they were to get an offer of thirty something you know million euros for him Sven Mislintat would think I, I would really like to spend thirty something million on new players I actually have a list of you know. Five or six players who I think we could get for that money. So that would change them fundamentally. But I, I, I do think that I agree that they will feel all in all fairly unsatisfied or, or maybe, maybe neither satisfied nor unsatisfied considering the sort of rousing finish. I don't know. Yeah, I think recency bias has a thing here. And yeah, you know, only two losses in the last 10 games and a rousing end to the season. Yep. Everyone's still, you know, hoisting a few glasses at this point. All right, let's take a little break and uh, come back and talk about the rest of the league. Here comes part two of Talking Foosball Direct. This is Matt Herman. I'm here with Terry DeFellin talking about the rest of the match day just gone. We're moving on to some teams that I think we can say are probably fairly satisfied with the conclusion of the season, how things ended up. Maybe we can start with a game that I think featured two teams fairly satisfied, Mites and Eintracht. It was a 2-2 draw between these two sort of local rivals, Big caveat, I guess, to that judgment that they're fairly satisfied is um, big caveat. Um, Eintracht Frankfurt, of course, they are on uh, on Wednesday. They are going to be taking on uh, Rangers with uh, a Champions League spot on the line in the Europa League final. I'm actually gutted. I'm going to miss this game. I'm going to be on an airplane. But I think it's all going to kind of melt away when I get off that airplane in Maui when it's all said and done. Yeah, nobody really feels sorry for the fact that you're you're missing that game given your destination. 
I think if we could talk about Frank, Frankfurt for a moment, I mean, I, in terms of their league position, I think in view of you know what they did last season, you know, it's not been a great season for them. But consider, to be fair, that it started disastrously because they lost to well, Valtov Mannheim in the cup, didn't they? And you just looked at Oliver Glasner and were looking and thinking about the way that his Wolfsburg team played the previous season, and then think about how Adi Hutter's Frankfurt team played the previous season, thinking. Do you know what? I don't know whether this is going to work, but contrast that with their Europa League campaign, which has been a joy. I mean, the Champions League has its fair share of written in drama because there's so much quality. But the Europa League just gives you so much diversity, so many different European teams, you know, getting stuck in. And Frankfurt have just, you know, embraced that. And the game against the, you know, the, the, the takeover at the camp now in the semi-final, 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 or was it the quarter, the semi-final of the Europa League? Quarter-final. Quarter-final, I beg your pardon. That's one of the highlights of the season for me. Yeah. And in general, that is one of the highlights of the season and has to go down as one of the high points in the history of the club. What a moment. Yeah, I would totally agree. And I actually think if Eintracht managed to win that game in Seville against Rangers, they might be the most satisfied of all if they can make that happen because – Considering what they accomplished through that run, including that big win in Barcelona and, you know, the sort of all or nothing prospect of, you know, you're either in the Champions League or you're nothing, you know, that really does get the blood pumping. Talking about Mites for a moment. I guess this is maybe a case of the expectations game as well as a sense that they just never really found their footing in this season. They marched up the table in such a hellacious way the second half of last season. I think it kind of got us all thinking maybe this is a team that can achieve Europe or, or come a lot closer to it than they ended up doing. But, you know, when you look at the black and white, they finished 12th last season, which was amazing considering how they were marooned in the bottom two for, for such a long time. But they did finish eighth, as it turned out in this season. It's not that at all. Was it just a foolish notion of, on our parts to think that they were going to be European challengers? Well, let's be a little bit kinder. I think we, to ourselves, I think that we felt that there were dark horses for Europe. I don't think that we felt that they were nailed on for it. I think we'd allowed ourselves to get enthusiastic about Mainz under both Svensson because of just how spectacularly well they're done in the second half of last season. And I think that that's perfectly reasonable. I think we were right to be enthusiastic. And I think we were right also to suggest that they were at dark horses for Europe because I don't think we necessarily thought that Cologne under Stefan Baumgart would be as good and we didn't necessarily assume that Union would be as good as they would be this season as well. So that being the case, Mainz may well have found themselves closer there. But yeah, I mean, at the same time, you know, I think they can look upon their season and say we have incrementally, you know, improved from last season. We've got a top coach, I think, in the making who's likely to be with them for at least another season. And more importantly, I think they've got the continuation of that lineage under Mainz. You know, Svensson was was part of the Brookbeck boys team. He's gone away to do the Red Bull things, come back. There's, you know, we're getting, we're getting a, a stronger sense of lineage about Mainz and pedigree. This is a, a well-established Bundesliga football club in the making and, and you know, I think that they can be pleased and who knows, maybe next season, you know, things will get better if they work the transfer market a little bit better. You can say that about any of those teams down there in, in the mid table. But yeah, they are, you know, it's been a decent season for Mainz, hasn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, I would say it has been decent. Maybe a little bit more than decent. Let's talk now about some teams who I feel are probably on the sort of neither satisfied nor unsatisfied level. And <laughs> oddly enough, maybe uh, this applies to maybe the top two teams in the league. Starting with uh, FT Bayern München, they went into match day 34 on the back of a couple of pretty pretty half-assed performances, to be frank, getting whipped by Mainz and then drawing with Stuttgart. They went to Wolfsburg with maybe a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. They took a 2-0 lead in the first half, but they ended up getting reeled in by Wolfsburg, who, you know, they've been a ridiculously mixed bag this season. Let's talk a little bit about all the bad juju over on the Sabina Strasse right now. First and foremost, this is the biggest negative factor, dampening factor for them that Robert Lewandowski has publicly said now uh, he wants out. And he has said after this game that if he gets a reasonable offer, he wants Bayern to consider it. He wants them to respect his wishes. He's getting a lot of pushback on that from a lot of the you know, Bayern brass, including, you know, Hasan Salihamidzic and Uli Honus, who sort of came out of his sarcophagus to mouth off about this. I have no idea why Bayern want to be seen taking this sort of hardline approach to a player who has established himself as a Bayern legend. And they were going to have to sort of cut that cord at some point. I don't know why they can't just be gracious and say, Okay, fine. Let's get this on. Well, I think, Matt, uh, it's possible that they're just not accustomed to their players behaving in this kind of way because they are, are the top dogs in German football and still at the top table in, in European football. And and I think that maybe they would, maybe it was just perhaps a perfectly natural reaction to not expecting their top player to do that. Lewandowski is one of those players now who is sufficiently elevated in that point in his career where, you know, he can to a very large degree call the shots. He could do what an awful lot of people in the labour market can do, and that's leave their employer without any fuss or that much fuss. And Bayern, I think, maybe might need to get their heads around that. Uli Hernes is of the view that Robert Lewandowski will change his view over the, over, over the summer when he realised that. I'm not certain that that's the case. Um, I, I, Robert Lewandowski has for some years now made noises about seeking a new challenge elsewhere, and he is now at an age where really that needs to happen, I think, this summer. We live in an age now where the top, top, top players, particularly strikers, can live, can live, can play to a ripe old age at the top level. And Lewandowski is among that. And I wouldn't blame him for seeking a new challenge. And dare I say, some more money, if not necessarily through wages, but perhaps through endorsements and sponsorships by playing for a higher profile league than the Bundesliga, dare I say. So it's a tricky one. I think that there's going to be probably a bit of rancor going on here. But I'd be very surprised if he really doesn't want to play. I mean, he's a professional, you know. I mean, if he's lining up for, for Bayern at the start of next season, then you can, you know, you can rely on the fact that he'll give his absolute utmost because he's a top pro. But if he's, you know, the way that he was, he was saying, apparently saying goodbye to the fans, making it clear publicly that he wants to leave, uh, it's, that's going to require some rolling back for that to not happen. Yeah, I think that the preponderance of bad feeling right now, I think is maybe coloring some of the judgment of, of folks at Bayern. The, the number of sort of issues 
um, that they're facing in terms of squad uh, composition, in terms of conflict between um, Salih Hamidic and Julian Nagelsmann. Maybe they're just trying to hang on to this talisman for dear life. I haven't heard anything to the effect of, of getting pushback from, from Nagelsmann about Lewandowski. That's not really his role. But I was kind of dismayed by what Nagelsmann said about Niklas Zula. I guess it was, was on Sunday following this uh, draw with Wolfsburg. I mean, Niklas Zula, of course, is leaving Bayern. He's going on a free to Dortmund. That's, of course, his right. It's not going to make them very happy, but, you know, la-di-da. And Nagelsmann apparently asked him after Marcel Zabitza got hurt in the run-up to this game. He said, you know, Niklas, do you want to come along for this trip to Wolfsburg? Because we get, we have a, a, a place in the, the squad free now, even though you hadn't planned on coming. He asked him rather than told him. And Zula just was straight up because they've known each other a really long time. They, they were together at Hoffenheim. Zula was like, you know, actually, I don't want to come. <laughs> and for Nagelsmann to come out and tell the press that really just strikes me as a crappy way to sort of, you know, show a player out the door. And struck me as a super classless move. Yeah, I mean, it reflects poorly, I think, on Nagelsmann's judgment to say that publicly. I mean, I don't think Bayern fans, obviously, they don't want to hear that from Zula, but I suspect even some, some Bayern fans would say, well, to be fair, <laughs> the guy is leaving, so what's the big deal? But the suggestion is, is that, you know, doing something that I don't know, I think this strikes me as being a bit of an unbiased thing to do, and that's kind of chucking players under the bus. I mean, a Bayern can do this, but I mean, I mean, it, it, you're right, it is somewhat lacking in class. I think such a lot is made about just how great a coach Nagelsmann is becoming, but it is also worth bearing in mind that at 34 years old, you don't know it all at that time in your life. I mean, when do you ever? But you certainly don't know it all. And it, what it suggests that perhaps is that there is there is some underlying pressures going on there, perhaps considering, yeah, as you say, the aforementioned relationships not being as strong as they could be, the fact that there's a certain degree of anticlimax towards the end of the season, despite the fact that they have comfortably won the Bundesliga. Maybe it's like, you know, there's some errors in judgments coming in there from a PR point of view. I mean, you know, I don't think it's fair on Niklas Zula. You know, if, if, if he's been given the option, then Niklas Zula, you know, he's well within his rights to say, well, look, actually, if you're giving me a choice, actually, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll stay home. <laughs> it's been a long season and I'll happily stay home. But, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's it, all round. It sounds like it was a, probably the right thing to have done was say, look, sorry, mate, but you're coming. <laughs> and that's the end of it. <laughs> right? Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. If you, if you really want him to be there, just tell him to be there. Yeah, because, I need, you know, I need like, you, yeah. You mentioned yeah. with Lewandowski, I have I have no reason to believe that Niklas Zula is anything other than a, a, a total professional. But maybe given their relationship, he felt comfortable being like, nah, dude, I don't really want to come. I've checked out <laughs> and I haven't really prepared for this game. And you don't want me there, actually, because I'm not prepared for this game. And then for, you know, Nagelsmann to do that is just very disappointing. The other thing that came to mind about the reasons why Bayern would be unsatisfied by the end of the season, you know, other than the obvious – not winning the cup, not winning the Champions League, etc. It's just how bad things seem to be going with Hasan Salahamidzic's relationship with Julian Nagelsmann, uh, with his sort of standing in the eyes of the fans. I mean, he was apparently booed as uh, they were sort of, you know, going over to the traveling fans in Wolfsburg. They did 
at least get a deal done with uh, Nusair Mazraoui from Ajax. He's coming in for next season. I guess a lot of the conflict between him and Nagasman have been about squad uh, composition, squad, you know, purchases not being fast enough or, you know, enough purchases, whatever. I just don't see him as somebody who is going to be tenable with this club in the long run if things keep going this way. I mean, given the way he poisoned the waters with uh, Hansi Flick or, you know, vice versa, maybe Hansi Flick poisoned the waters with, with Salih Hamidic. But people are saying this is just deja vu all over again of, of a coach who has a vision, who clearly has talent, who doesn't want to deal with this guy. <laughs> Yeah, and Salih Hamidzic is not the future of Bayern Munich, is he? I mean, of the two, the future is going to be with Nagelsmann. He's the young man, he's the guy, probably hired maybe on the understanding that he might not be completely the finished article as a coach. He may not be the complete coach, but in a few years' time, you know, once he's got trophies and titles under his belt, you know, he will be bringing, you know, he will be adding to the pedigree of, of Bayern Munich, whereas Salih Hamidzic, I think, you know, maybe... Uh, a guy who I think worked well under the old regime, but now there's been a change of management at the very, very top there. Perhaps, perhaps he's slightly out of step with the with with the thinking, and you have to wonder how long it will be. Uh, selecting a sporting director worthy of Bayern Munich is a, probably a very, very lengthy, uh, time-consuming, and expensive process. Um, uh, but I wonder if Bayern Munich are, are already uh, undergoing that process. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see what the future holds. It's going to be a very busy summer if uh, Bobby moves on. Spare some thoughts, I guess, maybe now about Wolfsburg. Um, I put them in the very unsatisfied category, uh, considering they, they went into the season in the Champions League after what, such a good finish last season and finished it on the lower end of mid-table, firing their coach, Florian Kofeld, who, you know, improve them maybe from the beginning of the season for with Mark van Bommel, maybe not. I mean, I feel like this is a season to forget for them. I can't, I can't imagine that they have many positive takeaways. No, it started off well. They had, they had a brief, they had a four game win, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, before the wheels fell off. And uh, I think a lot of it was because of obviously the, the debacle around the, the DFB Pokal defeat. Well, yes, the defeat. Because yeah, the of substitution. It. I, mean, I, I mean, just a schoolboy error. Just, you just would not expect. And then there was that horrific streak, wasn't there, in November, December, wasn't there, where it just all went horribly wrong for him. They started off completely on the wrong foot. And I, I feel a bit bad for Florian Kofeld because as jobs go, it was something of a hospital pass, as we say, mm -hmm. in England. And, and actually, although they lost their last three games, that little stint, that three games out of five win streak that they had towards the end of the season, just to, just to keep their heads above water, you know, I think he deserves some credit for that. I, I think that he suffered, I think, a lot at Verda with a club that was just having money taken out of it and, and wasn't able to improve the squad. And a promising coaching career is kind of floundering a bit now. I think that, you know, he can come away with a small amount of credit for having at least made some kind of sense of, of Wolfsburg. Sorry, I'm looking at the wrong section of the table. It's, 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 it's last five, one loss in the last five games, which is, you know, that's, that's what's got them out of, out of any potential problems that they might have had with a relegation player or something like that. But it's not a massive surprise that he's gone, but 
Perhaps, Matt, the problem here is Jörg Schmatka, the sporting director. Yeah, I was wondering whether you were going to get there, because if you didn't, I was going to. Um, (laughs) You know, this was a season – I mean, yes, some of his purchases have worked out somewhat. I mean, Max Kruse, we all know what we're going to get out of him. He had some some important goals. Jonas Vind has had some decent performances at times. You know, the Mecha brothers look like they might become useful in time. But man, the coaching decisions that he made. Basically, the way he alienated two good coaches in Bruno Labbadia and Oliver Glasner, and then brought in coaches who didn't do the business. I mean, I don't understand how you keep Schmatka holding the reins after that. No, I mean, I think back to his earlier his career and the work that this, which is going back some years now. But you go back to you know the the great years with Hannover '96 under Mirko Slomka, and think about also the good work he did at FC Köln as well for a while, helping the club out of the second division. I mean, he's probably a guy who's got a massive Rolodex. He's got good relationship with agents. All of that side, the recruitment side, all seems to be good. But yeah, in terms of being a leader, these are things that probably are more of a problem. Maybe he doesn't necessarily have those kind of personal skills to be able to properly lead, you know, good coaches or indeed even bad coaches, perhaps. So, I mean, in these circumstances, what do you do? You know, I mean, again, you know, finding good sporting directors is extremely hard. And I don't blame the Wolfsburg bull for looking at that and thinking, well, we don't need this. So it's a tough square to circle, it's got to be said. But you have to think that whoever the new guy is, they've got to be able to have a good relationship with Schmacker and be able to do quite a lot of work in that respect. Yep. All right, let's, let's talk about another matchup between a team that I feel is in the neither satisfied nor unsatisfied category and the very, perhaps even white hot, unsatisfied. That was the game between Borussia Dortmund and Hertha BSA. It went Dortmund's way. They you know, came back from a 1-0 deficit through a penalty as well as a late goal from Yusufa Mokoko. Yeah, this is – I guess we'll, we'll talk about the Dortmund half of this first because I, I want to get your thoughts about this. Am I being unfair in saying that this is a, a season of you know not really a lot in the way of, of real satisfaction or dissatisfaction? They did finish second fairly comfortably, but it definitely seemed like the high hopes that they went into this season with a highly touted coach in Marco Rosa, a striker who, you know, all things are possible when he is healthy and scoring, which – you know, up until this season had been much, if not most of the time, they just didn't really convince, at least as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I'm disappointed that they weren't able to really effectively figure out how to work without Sancho this season. I thought that was quite disappointing. Daniel Marlon's come in, not made the impact that we thought that he would. Doesn't mean he won't. Yeah, I didn't just, think he would. No, I don't want to sound like oh, Captain Hindsight, but I was dubious about that signing to be honest with you but I mean you know it was more of an instinct and a feeling rather than based on any kind of any kind of analysis so read into that what you will Harlan did have an injury problem the club did have some injury problems quite a few injury problems but I suspect that what that did was that stopped Marco Rosa from employing proper principles proper approach decent processes you know good systems Dortmund vibed their way. I believe that's how the kids call it now, isn't it? They vibed their way through the season. They relied 
on the individual talent of their players to get them out of trouble. And when it worked, it worked really well. It was quite exciting. But when it didn't work, you just got stuff like what happened with RB Leipzig or against Gladbach, for example, and they got they got shown the door. So in that respect, there's a hell of a lot of improving to do for Dortmund for next season. And the good news is, is that although they're losing Haaland, that they're gaining two great centre-backs and some promising forwards as well. And maybe with Makoka, we're hopefully seeing the sign of things to come. Objectively, Matt, you've got to be happy with second place, particularly after last season. So, you you know, uh, we nearly didn't qualify for the Champions League. So they've got to be happy with second place. But, you know, that's if you take a few steps back and look back on it historically to live it and to have gone through it. Yeah, it's it's not entirely satisfying. Yeah, the vibes blew your way sometimes and the vibes did not at other times. Indeed. Getting on to Hertha for a moment, uh, you know, we, we are getting late in the show and there's not a ton of time. Uh, and I think it's probably, I think very few would disagree with this as a uh, very unsatisfying season for this team. Definitely well publicized all the money that they've spent in the last few years, almost all of it entirely ineffectively and profligately. But I feel like the hole that they dug for themselves in the Michel Preitz era should have been one that they could have dug themselves out of a little bit better this season than they did. I just feel like Freddie Bobic, and of course, you know, they, they do have a chance to, to rescue themselves, as Felix Magat told us again and again, after letting safety slip out of his team's fingers for the third week in a row with a, a late goal. Hmm. Gives you some food for thought. They have a chance to save themselves. They're going to play Hamburg over two legs. Uh, so not all is lost. But I think either way, you're either at they win the playoff and we're still at very dissatisfied. And they lose the playoff. We're in like, you know, ballistically angry territory. Because this was just a really sloppily put together team that played very sloppily under two quite tactically limited managers, if not three, if you want to count Felix Magat in that category. He at least knows how to motivate and organize players, unlike apparently Pal Dardai and Typhoon Korkut. Yeah, what an utter shambles of a season. I'm so glad that it will be entirely over in about a week and a half from now. Yeah, and I don't blame you, Matt. It's been an absolute shower. But I don't think anybody would necessarily expecting Hertha to be challenging for the Champions League. But what you were hoping for would be just like some kind of improvement. You know, just with the money that that club has spent. For me, I, it's the coaching recruitment that I can't get my head around. I, I can't get my head around how there's a lack of imagination when it comes to appointing a head coach for that squad. It, it's not a terrible team. It's it's just, you would imagine that by this point, that the dressing room culture may be something that needs to be looked at and they might need to start clearing out players just simply to address that because things have just got so bad. It's not necessarily anyone's fault, it's just things have just got bad. But there's quality footballers, you know, up and down that squad roster, certainly plenty to hold their own comfortably mid-table and then scratching their heads thinking, well, you know what, if we did a bit better, we might even go more. But this has been an absolute disaster. And yeah, I mean, they've been extremely difficult to watch. If you'll forgive the observation, over the last few years, even when even when Hertha have been moderately decent, they've never been tremendously fun. Very utilitarian, very functional a way of playing football. Not it's not their job to entertain neutrals, but with a club that has the ambitions that it has, 
And then when you stack them up against their neighbours and just see how full of life Union play with significantly lower budget, you just like get an idea of just how much work that needs to be done there. Yeah, I'm sure you probably think as well as I do that Freddie Burbich, I think in the long term, is a decent very decent replacement to Michael Pritz. This was a this was a year to test my judgment on that score, I have to say. But it but it takes time though, doesn't it? And he can't do everything. I mean, he can't if there's say for example, if there's a bad attitude in the locker room, how much does the sporting director do about that? That's really more of a head coach's role, isn't it? Or senior players in the squad. And it takes time, you know, to although he had noticed, it does take time to, you know, get the wheels in motion and be able to recruit the right players. And I imagine he's going to have to clear down his wage bill first before he brings more, even more in. Now, of course, it will be a complete disaster if they're, if they're relegated, as well they might be. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily assume that Hamburg will, will turn up in their clown shoes and, and mess this up. Hey, but it's, hey, Hamburg, it's Hamburg, so there's man. a good possibility that they will. You know. But then it's Hertha. You know, both, both clubs are capable of wearing clown shoes for football matches. So, I mean, who knows? Who knows? That one I will be watching because I'll be out of the plane by then. So, you know, for my sins, I will be watching that one. Yeah, I think, I think you put your finger on a good, a good thing with the senior players not really taking much in the, in the way of, of the bull by the horns. I think there's been too much turnover and too little sort of established players brought in. I mean, Kevin Prince Boateng, of course, has had some influence over the last few weeks, but that's been a little bit too little too late. Yeah. I hope we stay in. Hope we find a decent coach to take over. I know there's a lot of a lot of names in the hopper, but um, good luck to whoever <laughs> takes that job. Let's wrap things up with uh, the last couple of games, which I feel like have mostly teams who are fairly unsatisfied. Maybe maybe there'll be variations in that. Augsburg were two one winners over Kreuzfurt. Oddly enough, Augsburg also have made a coaching change despite, you know, getting themselves out of relegation trouble in the final, you know, weeks of the season. And apparently it was coming from the side of Marcus Weinziel, who kind of got upset that um, Stefan Reuter, the sporting director there, didn't want to talk to him about extending his contract until after the season, despite the fact that they were safe for the last couple of, of weeks. Kind of took that as a bit of a, a sign of disrespect. There's also some some notion that those two guys, despite having worked together a lot, are not all that cool with each other. I was just surprised, though, that you know a team whose goal is to stay in the league year after year stayed in the league and still sort of ends things in turmoil. So I, I had to put them maybe in the fairly unsatisfied bucket. Yeah, I personally would have, before yesterday, I would have put them above that, in the bucket above. Because, yeah, I think, you know, fourth from bottom for Augsburg, well, anything from fourth from bottom upwards for Augsburg is is good. So, I mean, they should be happy. But, yeah, this business with Weinzierl was obviously a surprise. It was a surprise to Stefan Reuter, as far as I can tell as well, because he wasn't told. The, the, the pl- first people to find out were the players, Second people to find out were Sky, Sky Sports. Sports. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, which, I mean, many may argue that's how it should be. I mean, be. his whole point was that they weren't talking. Enough. Yeah. And, and, he's, and he's demonstrated that uh, adequately, I think. And so, yes, it's a bit of turmoil. I don't know. I think Augsburg, they're like the Balkan team of the 90s, aren't they? They're kind of unrelegatable sort of like, you know, club. I mean, uh, sooner or later, it's bound to happen and maybe it'll be next season. And the surface is not a good idea because Vansiel, I think, is an effective coach for Augsburg. But if you don't have a good relationship with your sporting director and if the sporting director is going nowhere, 
then the correct thing to do is leave. And I would assume that Vinesil has repaired his reputation sufficiently that, you know, there might be prospects for him elsewhere. Yeah. We're about to stop talking about this club for, uh, you know, X number of years. So we might as well give him a moment's thoughts. Kreuter Fürth, bottom club, did not have a good season in terms of results. I would be tempted to put them in the either neither satisfied nor unsatisfied, or maybe even in the in the fairly satisfied, uh, if I was feeling particularly generous. But I think that they had very low expectations going into the season. Their fans seem to be very happy to to just be along for the ride. I think they aren't unsatisfied with how things went. I think that goals for 28, goals against 82. That is a, <laughs> it's a that palindrome. Is a, that is a difficult, difficult season. Yeah, it's great. I mean, great. Like, that is unpleasant to get to sit through. I mean, yeah, of course. I think that some of us maybe thought that um, Armenia might might surprise. In our preview, we thought Bochum would, would stay up. But I think we all agreed that Greuterfurt did not have the players or the likelihood of, of getting the players to stay up, if I remember rightly. But the reality of having to sit through all of that can't have been easy. And the worry, I would worry that, that it's done them more harm than good being up here, that this, is, this has been a, a bad, bad season. So, uh, yeah, you know, in a sense, you can say they could be neither satisfied nor unsatisfied because they've done what they and probably everyone else expected but it's been a desperately unpleasant experience and could actually have ramifications for next season too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jamie Leveling sold to Union, which I guess makes sense considering, you know, if he's useful to a top-flight club, he's worth more in money than he is keeping around. Mm. Uh, you, you mentioned Bielefeld a moment ago. I think we should talk about where they might fall. They were 1-1 level with, with uh, RB Leipzig on match day 34 I kind of see this as Bielefeld as being fairly unsatisfied and Leipzig being fairly satisfied. I mean, Leipzig, fourth place is their worst finish since 2018, and it's pretty disappointing the way they they went out in the Europa League. But ultimately, it is mission accomplished getting back into the Champions League and having the chance to win the Cup. Yeah, if they win the cup, then obviously they bump up a few buckets because it's their first trophy and a legitimization of the Red Bull project in Germany, which will disappoint a great many people. Also, big fan of the fact that they are the second to last or third to last team that we talk about on this podcast. One of the top teams in in the country and we leave them to on the last. That that works fine. No, it's it works fine for me. It's how it's how it should be. I don't think there are too many people who outside of the it's, people it's pure who, oversight. You know, outside of their fans who have a great deal of time for Leipzig and and I think most people want Freiburg to win the cup, but suspect Leipzig will do it too. So on the understanding that they win the cup, then this has been a really, really decent season. I think it's been really good because, you know, you've also had the emergence of Christopher Nkunku who has done really well and staying from another season, it would appear, at least. At least that seems to be the way, which I think is probably wise because apart from anything else, if he's got a good chance of getting into the France squad for the World Cup, then he doesn't want to be moving clubs right now. It's not a good it's not a good man. You want to stay where you put. Oh no, you you don't want to go to, you know, Chelsea and sit on the bench or whatever. Everyone else is doing that already. Yeah, or go, or indeed go to the shit fest that is going to be Newcastle United next season, which a few players I think will 
take that that the, the shilling and go. Oh, but you know what? What a, what a pretty kit they have. Uh, off top, off topic, but there's <laughs> no way that is going to happen next season. They are pushing the boundaries to see what they yep. can get away with. There's no way that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, getting back. So yeah, getting back to, to Leipzig to be the film to be to yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it was, yeah, we were talking about Bielefeld, but you want to get to about mine. Okay, so let's. Yeah, move but on they, to, they played each other. It makes sense, right? Uh, sorry, Leipzig satisfied, very satisfied. Bielefeld, I think will. Yeah, there'll be players that they'll lose. They're already losing Stefan Ortega. There'll be others, I think, that will go. I think that that's a shame. They certainly looked more interesting, I would say, than Furt. And I mean, I think can be moderately disappointed that maybe they didn't make a better fist of things. Yeah, I think there was a bit more about them. Yeah, I, I, I'd give them fairly unsatisfied. I reckon. I mean, their 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 resources are such that aiming much higher is impossible. Incidentally, you brought up uh, sporting directors. I feel like Samir Arabi. I don't know how settled he is in Bielefeld. He's been there for, for some time. I don't know how much stomach he has for going back down into the second division. But I feel like if there are bigger clubs looking for sporting directors, he will probably probably be on some lists. Okay, finally we got um, – <laughs> Speaking of, of coaching changes, as we have a number of times in this show, Borussia Mönchengladbach and uh, Hoffenheim. Gladbach absolutely throttled Hoffenheim 5-1. So, you know, happy days are here again for the Foles, except for their coach, Adi Hütter, who is no longer a part of the Foles. You know, this probably is the first big decision of the Roland Fierkus era, He's the new, newish replacement for Max Abel, who had been pretty under the radar for much of this season, but is becoming uh, a bit more high profile. And certainly, this, is, this seems like his first big move. You think it's the right move? Yes, I suspect it is the right move, but largely because I feel that he was Abel's guy and they need somebody else going forward. It's been an underwhelming season for Gladbach. There's been talk for a couple of years now that the squad probably is in need of a refresh. Uh, and you've got to have the right people in place. If your sporting director's moved on, you need to have the right people in place. And given that there's been some standout performances and results for Gladbach over the course of the season, but 10th you know, by modern standards is poor showing for that club. And you would have hoped that they would have done quite a lot better than that. So I think it, it makes sense. Adi Hutter, I, I think, will be in another job quite soon. I wonder if her to survive whether or not he will be reunited with Freddy Bobic. I could see there. that happening. I wonder whether that's a good fit. And he's a good coach as well. You know, in a way, I mean, it, I, obviously this is to speak of years that have tested my confidence in various people. This, you know, Adi Hutter goes in that bucket for sure. But it's possible that this dent that his reputation has taken, if he were to go to Hertha and to succeed there, might be in retrospect something that you look at as like a bit of a a bit of a lucky break that you got a coach who normally wouldn't wouldn't give him a sniff who uh you know has connections to the sporting director and and is willing to go to a pretty basket casey club but yeah there's so many conjunctives going on in there true true but a club that still does have money and a club that does have ambitions so and indeed yeah if you've got a good relationship with the sporting director but yeah you're right this time last year, that guy would have been thinking about, there would have been people thinking about him in terms of like, you know, a Europa League club, maybe even the Champions League club would be looking at Adi Hutter as a possible coach for their club. But now, no, he, this one season, the Gladbach has kind of set that back. But I mean, it is only one season and it's clearly a fluid situation that's happening there. And so I, I think that everyone will give him a pass. Yep. Moments thought about uh, Hoffenheim. I think they too are in the fairly unsatisfied 
category, considering they basically just treaded water in terms of, of results. Given their resources, ninth place is is fine, but when you're looking at some of the clubs above them, Union, Freiburg, Cologne, Mites, just in terms of finances, they, they should be able to, you know, make a better show of it. Yeah, and personnel as well. Yeah. I think they were wise to keep faith with Sebastian Hernes after what was a very up and down season last season for them. But yeah, this is bang average. And I think that they're expecting things to be just a little bit more than bang average. I mean, the, the, the days of like Dietmar Hopp sort of like, you know, well, they never were really there. But the idea of like the Dietmar Hopp sort of like, you know, bankrolling a Champions League club is uh, those guys are probably gone. But I think with the money that is put into that squad, that there's some expectation that they'll at least be interesting and relevant. And that really, that really hasn't happened at all. And, and you have to wonder if that Hoffenheim project is perhaps running out of steam a little bit in general. We shall see. I don't think Sebastian Hannes has done anything necessarily bad enough to, to warrant, you know, anything drastic happening to him. But uh, that said, we'll get off the phone now and find he's been sacked. If, he's, if he stays around for a third season, then, you know, I think that there'll be probably a lot of, I think there'll be expectations of uh, a much more positive start to next season and, and, and the possibilities of, of, of doing something interesting and getting back into the Europa League at least next season. Well said. All right, that is all for this edition of Talking Foosball Direct. It was produced, as always, by Aidan Rantoul. Great to have you back on, Terry. Uh, most satisfactory, in fact. I'd go as far as to say thank you, Matt. Excellent, excellent. I'm satisfied as well. You can find Terry on Twitter, at Terry DeFellin. You can hear his musings on totally other football subjects, some satisfying, some less so, on uh, the Sound of Football podcast. If you want to contact me, I'm at Mr. Matt Herman over on Twitter. Talking Foosball Extra. They'll be coming up in a couple of days to mop up all those important results from the Zweite Bundesliga. This is from Nixon Mullion. 